Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. As you know, I often have allies on the show, and I certainly know the truth that we cannot do it alone. And I'm super excited to introduce to you my good friend, Malor Narayan. Malor, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Susan. Really appreciate you having me on the show. So I have so many guests with amazing names, beautiful names. Sometimes I ask them before, let's make sure I pronounce your name correctly. Now, I know you. I don't know all my guests in advance, but I know you have an interesting story. Would you like to tell us that story about your name? Sure. So um, my first name is actually my middle name. My surname, official surname or last name is actually my first name. And my middle name is my last name. <laughs> this is like the shell game for names. <laughs> but, but officially, you know, what happened was when I moved, immigrated to Canada 30 years ago, um, the, in, in, in South India where I was born, when you uh, write your name, you write your um your your last name, your middle name and your last name first, and then you la- you write your own name, your given name at the end. So in my passport, that's the way it was written. And I'm going to move to Canada. They assumed that Narayan was my last name, and that became my last name. Whereas Aji, which is my middle name right now, is actually my 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 family name. And Malur, which people call me, have been calling me for the last thirty years is actually my middle name. It's the name of a town from where my ancestors, uh, uh, you know, where, where my ancestors are from. I love this story. This is amazing. <laughs> I find names fascinating. And the fact that like, it, it's almost, I, I don't know. I, I think the fact that you're named after the, the, the town, I think that's common across all cultures, right? We're yeah. at some point in our history, we are, uh, you know, named after the, the, the town from which our ancestors come, you know, the, the Ville or the, the mm-hmm. Jamestown, et cetera, you know, Bougainville, whatever. Um, I love this interesting story about your name. And I didn't bother changing it uh, because I, I, I just found that, that Malur was easier to uh, pronounce in the Western cultures and I just left it that way. And uh, only my mom calls me Narayan. Now I'm gonna call you Narayan. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. No, I think it's wonderful. It's interesting. It's a great story. I I think people don't stop and think about the importance of our names. Um, I know I have a very good friend who um, she was telling me how offended she was one day because this person decided that her name was too difficult to pronounce and she just gave her a nickname. And my friend was like, wait a minute, my name is two syllables. You just (laughs) don't rename me just because, right? So, um, no. Well, it's interesting you say that because my wife, who's uh, who inspires me every day, and she she's the one who got me into this whole um, uh, uh, gender equity and uh, that, that that piece of it. Because she she used to be a domestic violence counselor oh, and wow. a anti-racism coordinator back in Canada 25, 30 years ago. And she uh, when you know she's very picky about names. Her name is Siobhan. And uh, she gave all our kids difficult names <laughs> to pronounce. <laughs> They're all Hindu names. And she gets very upset when anybody, a teacher or a friend, shortens their names because they're exactly. such beautiful names. That she... 
So I know what you I mean. I love her. I love her. She should be on my show as well. That's wonderful. Um, no, I'm with her on that. I mean, come on, please. Somebody called me Sue once and I said, you know, that's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Not my name. Um, well, let me, let me, let me ask you this for the, for the audience benefit. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, first of all, your business. I know you have several. I know you're involved in so many things. It's incredible. They're like six different people in that one man's um, body. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do now. Sure. Um, so my uh, my current role is I uh, I lead a technology vertical within a consult a very large consulting company called Tara Consultancy uh, Services and Tara is a very well known uh, Indian company with uh, you know it's it's a large conglomerate with a very strong brand in India and globally they actually own uh, Jaguar Land Rover and a few other uh, large companies. Um, so I, I ran one of their, uh, I ran, run one of the uh, small technology verticals for them uh, in North America. As outside of that, I am um, involved in board seat meet, uh, as you know, uh, Susan, uh, which is a um, a, a venture that uh, Rika and I uh, um, founded to um enable uh, both women as well as uh, people of color and from underrepresented groups to be able to bridge the network gap and close the network gap which is so critical in uh, people achieving leadership roles so that's something i'm involved in uh, and i'm also involved in the uh, um, in the mental health foundation which my sister and i started last year after my brother passed away my brother suffered from uh, bipolar and a few other mental illnesses for uh, most of his adult life. And uh, we started this foundation to uh, increase awareness, reduce stigma, and uh, generally make it more, um, make resources available for people, patients, as well as uh, caregivers and families. Wow. So that's sort of what I do. Uh, in terms of my background, I grew up in India with a very humble family. Hang Sorry. on a second. Let's talk about that. That's a lot to unpack. So um, let's make this a conversation because you are remarkable. I didn't know all of that about, I already was a huge fan, right? But I didn't know. <laughs> Thank <that>. you. <laughs> you are one remarkable man. Oh my God. So this is amazing. Um, I, I would love to learn more about your foundation and your efforts to reduce the stigma, eliminate the stigma around mental health and well-being, because I think in the world that I operate in, for sure, there are serious, serious issues with um, alcoholism, drug use, suicide, because of the stress and inability to handle it or cope and the fear for asking for help. Now, we'll talk more about that another day, but I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for what you do there. Um, well, let's thank, talk a thanks, little, Susan. yeah, let's talk a little bit about Board Seat Meet. And folks, those of you who listen to my show regularly, uh, you may have heard, uh, he's, Malur is referring to his partner, Rika Nakazawa. So she was a guest on the show as well but they are doing remarkable work for women and other minorities. Those of us who have been invisible in the boardroom. So tell me more about that. 
So um, I got involved in board seat meet. Uh, Rika started it uh, early uh, last year and it was a not, not for profit. And I was on the advisory board initially. And then I joined in uh, to help her out with, uh, uh, you know, helping with building, building the platform and getting it uh, to a stage where it can be of significant uh, use and make a significant difference for um, women and other minorities who are aspiring to be on boards. Uh, the idea is uh, leadership development, a large chunk of leadership development is based on building warm relationships. Um, the kind of relationships that are, that are built in golf courses as well as, yeah. uh, uh, or other social environment. Um, and what we're trying to do there is replicate that using technology and scale it so that the same way that you and I are talking today, people can uh, meet on Zoom and over time build that, build that relationship uh, that, that leads to advocacy for board roles and other uh, leadership roles. And then it also uh, augments that with some of the board readiness uh, skills, skills around developing uh, specific uh, experience and uh, expertise that is required for uh, leadership roles in boards. I would say that you, and I love this phrase, it's not my phrase, I've heard you say it before and I've heard Rika say it before, you are democratizing the board uh, process, the board uh, seat process. I love that phrase. I agree. And, and that, I mean, when you think about it, because board roles are so, uh, are, are by referrals and by advocacy, um, you need to cast the net wider. And today, most of those board roles go to people who are already on boards. Right. What we want to do is cast the net wider, make the pipeline much larger so that people who are in mid-managerial positions from a diverse background and diverse uh, cultures are able to get the necessary skills and the exposure required to get those roles. I love that. So that, that the board seat uh, assignment process is rife with affinity bias is what we refer to it as, where we are going to refer those people we know, like, and trust, which seems innocent enough. However, they also end up having the same life story, the same, you know, skin color, background, you know, there's no diversity there. There's no opportunity for someone who doesn't look or sound or have the same life experience as we to get on that board. Um, and it's nice that you are gently breaking that chain or, or that bad habit that that we for so long thought was okay right um, yeah susan we're actually when i think about it we're actually trying to go against human nature <laughs> yes exactly exactly you're a blue ocean strategy right there <laughs> i think it's awesome um well let me ask you this so uh, you do a lot of things, right? You just explained only three of the many things that you do. Um, and I know you, so I know that you are, you don't have business hours. You're working 24 seven, you know, 365. Given that you're involved in so many things, how, you know, have you found what you might consider your calling? So it's an interesting question because a lot of people, uh, when uh, young young professionals who come to me for advice and they ask me, you know, is uh, wh what's your calling? You know, how do I find my calling? And I tell them, look, you got to try as many things as possible. And in the end, you may not find uh, what you call calling, but as long as you are able to contribute meaningfully to society, to your workplace, 
and to your family and and build happiness around it that you know that's, that's essentially what calling is so uh that's something i do i try to get involved in, in as many different things as possible a wide range of things whether it's music whether it's uh mental health or in this you know like board seat meet work itself uh, uh which takes me to many different places and i meet wonderful people uh, through work uh, and then all the uh, fun stuff that I do with my family in terms of hiking and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, You're making me at the end of the day, I don't know if I found my calling yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing tears to my eyes. This is so beautiful. You're so you are a walking diversified portfolio of interests and giving and just you seem to, in my opinion, and from what I know uh, of our our um conversations, you seem to really recognize what's important, right? The meaningful things in life. You don't waste your time or attention on the things that are unimportant, but you focus on the things that are truly meaningful and really change people's lives, whether they're your family or other people you've never met before. You really are making a huge difference. So thank you. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Yeah. I think that also comes with age and uh, experience. You know, when you're young, you're very ambitious. I wanted to be the CEO of the company that I worked for, Nortel, at the time. But I quickly realized that, you know, I didn't want to be on a plane uh, 24 by 7, 365 days a week. And that is not the definition of happiness uh, away from your family. And, you know, somewhere in my mid 30s, I, just, I realized that having more experiences in different areas, things that you truly enjoy, whether it's music, whether it's uh, hiking or whatever it is that uh, uh, keeps you going. Those are the things you need to spend more time on and, and success is really about happiness. Sounds like a little spiritual wisdom there. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I know, I, look, I'm not saying anything negative about the, the spouses out there, but I have several friends who wish their husbands would come to that same conclusion that the meaning of life is beyond nine to five at the, at the uh, office, right? So beautiful and, and wonderful for your family that you came to that conclusion on your own and you give of yourself in such a, a you know, you're creating memories for yourself and your family and that's wonderful. Well, let me ask you this question. You know my work. Um, I started in 2010 focusing on women in the workplace and creating equity. And then I expanded to um, all the underrepresented groups and, and serving as an advocate and amplifying the voices of women and people of color and the LGBTQ community. How do you think that men can help women and other minorities achieve equity? Um, I think in, in, in terms of gender equity, um, it's it's very critical that men are involved more and more in 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 the in the process, um, and not just as uh, and not just in a support role. I think it has to be more in, as a front and center sort of role, because uh, you know in order to change, uh, uh, make a meaningful dent or meaningful impact in the way that it is today or, or status quo. You, you need to work with, you know, start with the, the people who hold those positions today. So um, if you want to have gender equity, you want to have whole more minorities who are talented in leadership roles, you need to provide a safe environment where they can interact. Um, you need to be able to uh, 
give them more business and corporate decision making. Um, you need to be able to put them in critical roles, leadership roles, where they can make their own decisions and they can influence significantly, not just their own work, but also uh, serve as role models for others. Beautiful. I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like, um, well, first of all, I teach feminist theory and other, you know, standpoint theory, et cetera. I feel like a lot of people who are feminists believe that means man-hating and that is not true. It is absolutely not true. What I advocate is partnering with men in order to create equity in the workplace. What good is it if we claim that we want equity and then we shut out, we do the same thing that's been done to us for years, right? So. I love that you said yeah, that. And it's not just that. I think my wife, my wife's, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of stuff from my wife, uh, who was a feminist. And as I said before, and her theory has always been that it has to be a strong partnership um, in agree. order for this to be a success. I agree wholeheartedly, for sure. Um, well, you're an interesting man, as we already know. Uh, 20 minutes into our conversation, I'm sure the listeners are wanting to know more about you, but I want to ask you this before um, we share with how to connect uh, with you, share with the listeners how to connect with you. How do you spend your free time? Is that even a thing for you? <laughs> Actually, it is because, you know, uh, very early on in my career, I realized that work-life balance is very critical. Yeah. And uh, of course, now with, um, with everything being online, and I've been working from home for almost 25 years now. Uh, wow. Yeah, even before um, all, all of this started, since the mid-90s. And um you know, I, I've always tried to balance. So when we, anytime we had, I had business trips, in, you know, early on in my career before we had kids, my wife and I, I, my wife tended to accompany me and we would stay over the weekend and do stuff together. So that, you know, that was one way for us to spend time. Um, and I continue that today, not so much in terms of her going with me, but, you know, I, I try to break the day or the week into small chunks so that I, I always have, for example, even a simple thing like going and picking up your kid when you're, when I'm in town, I like to go pick up my kids from school, just so that I know I have the time with them in, uh, in the car. I, I love hiking with my dog. I take my dog for a walk, uh, you know, for hikes every weekend or, uh, um, and then uh, my other big passion is uh, is gardening, which I spend a lot of time doing when when I'm not working. And Are you the perfect man or what? <laughs> <laughs> you should ask my wow. wife that. I think she'll wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of women out there are going to go home and tell their husbands, hey, guess what I heard today? Um, that's pretty incredible. I mean, you sound like the really the, the renaissance guy, right? So we love that. We love that. And I'm like every other guy. I like I love watching sport as well. So, <laughs> hey, I'm like every other guy in that realm as well. I like watching sports, too, especially football. I know that's not something most women enjoy, but I do for sure. Um, you know, so if, if she knows what an offside kick is, you marry that woman. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, how can people reach out to you, get to know you more, better, uh, you know, the things that you're doing, get to know that more, get to know that better. Um, tell me how they can reach you. 
I think the easiest way is I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, and and uh, you know the one thing about having a unique name like Malur is that I got the Malur at yahoo.com email address very early in the 90s when Yahoo just started. <laughs> I also got LinkedIn with my name on it, right? With linkedin.com slash n slash Malur. Nice. Um, I'm also, if you go to the brilliantminds.in website, which is our mental health foundation, there's information on how to get to get to uh, contact me. And I'm on Twitter as well uh, with a code name called Zotspot, which has a long story uh, in, in of itself, but we won't get into that. Well, one day you'll have to tell me because you're a great storyteller and you're a compelling storyteller and the work that you do is remarkable. And I'm so grateful to have you and Rika in my circle of friends. Uh, and that is what you are. You're remarkable people who happen to be friends and I'll support your causes however, whenever, to whatever uh, links you need. So thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. You have been incredible support. And uh, I know how, uh, you know, people say such great things about you and um, I'm, I'm happy to be on this. I'm really excited that you had me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing a little bit of yourself with everyone. Malor Narayan, thank you so much. Have a good day, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving.